Good afternoon. This is Bible Talk with Jane and Shannon. I am Jane. And I'm Shannon. And this is some of our favorite Bible persons, part two. Part two. Yes. yes. You did You did predict it would be at least part two. Yeah. We, we, we started out just trying to pick up ten each, and I thought immediately that there's no way we could get 20 of them done in one episode. So we're going to do our second ten. And, and this you, time... Yes. Jane's going to go first. And I was going to say, if you didn't hear the other one, I would listen to it. But you don't have to know the other one to have heard the other one to get this. So... Why we're sharing these is because the importance of story and how even though these are real people, they lived and died and their lives are in the Bible, their examples can speak to us and inspire us to live for Jesus, mm-hmm. just like your life does for other people and Shannon's life does for many, many people. I so, about that, oh, it does. It does. He just shines so bright. I have to wear yeah, sunglasses yeah, yeah. all the time. <laughs> Sure. All right. Okay, so I'm going first this time. Uh So, um, on one through five, I shared five women. So, Mm -hmm. number six is the first man on my list. Not that I have anything against men or... There's so many good... We could say... We could talk about any people in the Bible and have great things to say. And bad things. You know, whatever. But, okay, so my number six one is Daniel. And I'll tell you why I... He speaks to... I like Daniel is because he was a diplomat. He Mm. kept a level head and he was devoted wholly to God. And he gave the, the one episode is the very uh, first one. Oh, I turned right to it. Uh, He gave the Babylonians options. He worked with them without compromising his faith. And that's what I like. So I'm going to read from chapter one, eight through 14. And this is when he's, he and his three friends and some other Jews are, are young uh, young men in the king's court being trained to to serve Nebuchadnezzar, and they're being trained in all this Babylonian stuff. Yep. And they were picked because they were good looking and smart, and you know, cream of the crop stuff. So uh, Daniel one eight through fourteen. Now, oh, I'll go up to five to explain this. And the king appointed for them all the guys in training a daily ration from the king's choice food and from the wine which he drank, and appointed that they should be educated three years at the end of which they were to enter the king's personal service. So we go down to eight, and it says, But Daniel made up his mind that he would not defile himself with the king's choice food or with the wine which he drank. So he sought permission from the commander of the officials that he might not defile himself. Now God granted Daniel favor and compassion in the sight of the commander of the officials. And the commander of the officials said to Daniel, I am afraid of my lord the king, who has appointed your food and drink. For why should he see your faces looking more haggard than the youths who are your own age? Then you'd make me forfeit my head to the king, meaning get his head cut off. But Daniel said to the overseer, whom the commander of the officials had appointed over Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah, please test your servants for ten days, and let us be given some vegetables to eat and water to drink. Then let our appearance be observed in your presence and the appearance of the youths who are eating the king's choice food. Mm-hmm. And deal with your servants according to what you see. Right. And of course, we know the story. They end up being able to stick with their kosher diets. But I love how he approached approached uh, the Babylonians. He didn't uh, rebel in a horrible way. He didn't talk down to them. He wasn't rash. He was calm. And he gave them options. And I yes. think we as believers can do that. 
we don't have to, especially in our culture of today, people want to get offended all the time and they want to rise up and say, you're wrong, you're wrong. But if we speak calmly to most people, or if we speak calmly to everyone, most people want to be rational and they want to work with you, you know, and, and if they don't, they don't, but you could give them the option rather than assume that they're like persecuting you or something. So that's my sixth one. What's, who's your sixth one? Well, the next one I'm going to talk about is Luke. Oh, Luke. I like, and I like Luke, uh, for multiple reasons. He was kind of an outsider that came in, Mm -hmm. um, you know, all the other gospels were written by Jesus' disciples. No, not Mark. Well, not Mark, but I mean, were written by people that were there at the time. Right, that's true. And Luke was a writer that wrote about it from an outsider's perspective, mm-hmm. more or less. True. He was with Paul later on, but it's like he went back and did the history mm-hmm. and I'm, knowing as much as he did and being as, as close as he was when he wrote the things he did. He had to have first con- uh, first person contact with people. You know, I think there's that one part, and I've thought about this too, mm-hmm. was that, and Mary pondered thing all these things in her heart, so he must have spoke to her. I would think, yeah, Mary would have been one of the people he may have talked to. He may, may have talked to Mary Magdalene. Yeah. I'm sure he talked to the disciples, the individuals. Right. Um, we know that Luke was a Gentile, mm-hmm. um, and he was a doctor, physician, um, very humble man. He never addresses himself as the author in the book. He never mentions it. In the opening, he talks about he's writing to Theophilus. Right. But he doesn't talk about himself. I thought this. I saw this. There's no eyes in in, in his books. He just, he's very, very, very humble about things. Mm -hmm. And the other thing about Luke that I didn't know until I looked it up here, Luke remained with Paul until Paul's death. Mm-hmm. A lot of people came and went. Yes, but Luke stayed. Luke stayed with him. Luke, the physician, stayed with Paul until he was executed. And stayed, probably took care of him. Yeah, I thought that was really... That's devotion. It's it's a powerful thing. And and his his gospel reads like someone, like a historian, Mm -hmm. going back and looking for facts and for truth Mm -hmm. and for... And I, I just, I mean, I love all the gospels, but... Luke's gospel speaks to me as as a as a history guy, and he's very. I also, like that. He's the one who talks about the women who took care of Jesus. Mm-hmm. He brings up women a lot, and of course, I'm a woman, so that he must have had a tender heart toward. Well, and um, I think I think because he got a lot of his information from the women, probably yes. He probably had his eyes open to them more than others did. Well, others may not that. have noticed them as much, right? But he noticed them because they were sources. Mm-hmm. He went to them, so he was giving them, you know, the credit for it. So I, I really like it, um, not just this gospel, but also the book of Acts. Mm-hmm. I mean, you look, nobody else wrote anything like the book of Acts. Yeah, Acts is very important because we learned the beginning of the church. And right, we about and, Paul and, and no one else wrote about it. Right. We have letters, right? but we don't have an account of it. Yes, stories he of wrote, it, yeah. He wrote the account of it. He wrote the history of mm-hmm. the Christian church. Yes, so, so that's why you like him. Yeah, I, I just find him. Oh, he was—he was obviously a very intelligent man. Yeah, uh, he was a very humble man, but he had a role to play, mm-hmm. and he came completely after the fact. Mm-hmm. True. He was not anything until after the fact, and that, I like that concept too in Christianity. I look—I look at all of us, and 
There is no time when it's too late to be saved, and there's no mm. time when it's too late to be used by God. And there's nobody saying that, you know, I don't come from a religious background. I don't come from, so what? Mm-hmm. God says, I've got a job for you. I was just thinking of Moses. And Luke did it. When I was doing the dishes. Mm-hmm. How God called him when he was 80. Mm-hmm. You know, and uh, I don't know why I was thinking of that, but... So well, it's something it. you bring up fairly often. I've heard oh, you talk about that. Yeah. I'm sorry. It's because didn't start till he was 80. Didn't start till he was. You've heard said that before, so I guess because I know people who are 80, and you know. Yeah. Yeah. Go. Cool. So my next one. This is very obscure, but I just I I want to get to the. There's only one verse, so I want to get to it here before I. It's a woman, and this woman is Pilate's wife. We don't know her name. Hmm. And, but she respected Jesus. I don't know if she saw him as the Messiah. I don't know anything like that. But I'll read Matthew 27, 19. And this is during hmm. the time where Jesus was before Pilate. And she says, 19 says, And while Pilate was sitting on the judgment seat, his wife sent to him, saying, Have nothing to do with that righteous man, Jesus. For last night I suffered greatly in a dream because of him. So she knew he was a righteous man. She knew he was innocent. And she even pleaded with her husband, who was a very important figure, to not have anything to do with him. So I I, I guess another thing we can um, read into that is that she had must have had a good enough relationship with Pilate to interrupt his his proceedings. And she must have known that he would at least accept the messenger to hear from her. So I, I, I think that says a lot about, actually about both of them. But I just, Matthew put that in his gospel because he felt it was important. Mm. And I, I like how um, she was obviously, well, not obviously, but most likely not, you know, a follower of Jesus as far as going around with him. No. But she was having dreams about him. And so she must have been thinking about him. And so... Or- God used her in a way that, um, in, a, in a way to put that, you know, that that would have been totally out of character for any Roman. Yes, yes. And the, yes. although Pilate didn't order the arrest, right? Um, the Romans were obviously not ever going to look favorably on anyone who was Jewish, or especially who was Jewish and had yeah some sort of following at this mm-hmm. point in time, because that would be a threat to Roman rule. And she w- and Pilate. Um, to be in the rank he was, he was a politician. Mm-hmm. So she was a politician's wife. Yes. And she was a high society lady who had, I'm sure, ambitions for her husband mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And then when she warns him, I'm sure part of that is, I don't think this is going to go well for us. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know, but I love that it's included. Mm-hmm. And I love that she was sensitive enough to first recognize that Jesus was a righteous man. Mm. And that she could speak to her husband about it. Mm. Anyway, what's your next one? Okay. Well, I I pulled Jonathan. Jonathan from Samuel, Saul's oldest son. Oh, oh, Jonathan. Yes, yes. I'm, I'm in the New Testament. I was no, thinking. Yes, I'm Old Jonathan. Testament here. Yes, Jonathan was a special character. He was he was Saul's oldest son, and he was David's dearest friend, like a like a brother to David. Mm-hmm. And Jonathan was isn't. It was a fascinating character to me because as the eldest son, 
He would have been the heir. Right. He would have been the king. And yet he was so faithful to God while his father walked away from God. He was faithful to God. While his father was sinning and and going crazy and trying to murder people and doing all the things he, he had done that were so contrary to God, Jonathan was faithful. And Jonathan was faithful not only to David, who was his best friend, and but also to God because he understood that God anointed David. Yeah. And David, coming from Bethlehem, coming from nothing, coming from little little town, little shepherd boy, little nothing, um, it would have been very easy for the king's son to look down on David. Mm-hmm. But instead, Jonathan saw him for who he really was going to be yes. and was willing to sacrifice himself multiple times for David. Yes. You know, he protected David. Um, you know, he said, David, you know, I'll find out what, mm-hmm. how my father feels about you, and then I'll go out and tell you about it. You know, Saul uh, insulted uh, Jonathan. He went after Jonathan. He did all sorts of things. But Jonathan stayed faithful to David to, his, to the end of his life. Mm-hmm. And that, again, a faithful friend and a faithful follower of Christ, and I don't think he could get much better than that. No, and I will say also, he walked that that line that sometimes the believers have to walk because he still honored his father through all that. You know, he never, um, I don't know, somehow he still honored his father and was loyal to David, loved David, and was, was loved God. And he just walked it perfectly. He That's a great, yeah, he's... He's an incredible it was, man. It's interesting too because um, this is something that you know unless you unless you're really getting into the word and reading it you miss. Mm-hmm. Jonathan dies in battle mm-hmm. the same day his father cowardly uh, kills himself, and that's the end of the line. There's only one left, mm-hmm. and that's Jonathan's crippled son. Yes, don't Mephibosheth. Yeah, Mephibosheth. Yes. And David, David takes him into his own household and treats him like his own son. Not that, so much later when he has his own family. Right. Yeah. But, but it's yes. that David takes him in. And really, it's the end of the line period because I'm sure there's no nothing beyond then. But, mm-hmm. but you know, even that, I see that with, with his faithfulness. And he had a son, a special needs son, basically. So, yeah. yeah. Special. Yeah. Special stuff. Okay, my eighth one is okay. one of the Marys. Oh, yeah. which Mary? Uh, There's Martha's, a lot of Marys. Yes, Martha's sister. And this is in Luke. And this is Luke. He's, he's the only one who mentions this right here. Now, as they were traveling along, he entered a certain village, and a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. And she had a sister called Mary, who moreover was listening to the Lord's word, seated at his feet. But Martha was distracted with all her preparations, and she came up to him and said, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to do all the serving alone? Then tell her to help me. But the Lord answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried, excuse me, and bothered about so many things, but only a few things are necessary, really only one. For Mary has chosen the good part, which shall not be taken away from her. And I chose her because I'm definitely, they always say, are you a Martha or a Mary? And most people are probably a little bit of each as far as women go. But I'm definitely leaning toward a, a Mary kind of person because if I was there, I think if I would have been true to my heart, I would have been doing what Mary did, sitting at Jesus' feet in her dedication to him. And later we see Jesus come back and raise Lazarus from the dead and 
she fell at Jesus's feet crying and then Jesus wept. So I think Jesus had such a tender heart toward Mary. And I just, she just was so devoted to Jesus, just sat at his feet. Hmm. When she knew her sister wanted her help, but instead she sat at Jesus' feet. Yeah, so, she kind of bore the ridicule. and Yeah. And and also, again, culturally, that probably wouldn't have been all that acceptable for a woman to do that with someone no. who was not a relative or, or a spouse. So right. for her to do that kind of stuck out. Stuck yep. out. And okay. it, enough that she was mentioned again. Mm-hmm. Okay, what about you? Okay, the next one I want to bring up um, is Timothy. Mm, That's a good one. I like Timothy um, for multiple reasons. One One of the things about Timothy we know is that his faith was strong from birth. I mean, he was raised, he was from a Greek father and a Jewish mother, and his mother and his grandmother are mentioned as being his spiritual guides. They were the ones that got him started. Right, right. And he had very young, he was very faithful even at a very young age. And there weren't too many very young men that were mentioned as being faithful in the Bible. But Timothy was. And Timothy um, responds to the gospel and takes off as for with Paul. Mm-hmm. And eventually he becomes the pastor of the church in Ephesus. Paul talks about having Timothy with him in um, a lot of his books, uh, Corinthians, Philippians, Colossians, Thessalonians, Philemon. He talks about Timothy being with him. A lot, yeah. Mm -hmm. So Paul is a a huge figure in the Bible. Or Pete, you mean Timothy. Paul as a huge figure in the Bible. um, Had this young man with him. That not only did he take with him, but also continued to counsel him once he got set up in ministry and gave him advice on how to do things in the church and what to be careful for. And uh, Timothy's faithfulness is another one of those ones that stands out to me. And while he, he didn't write any of the Bible himself, all we hear is, you know, third person about him, mm-hmm. somebody else telling, talking to him. Um, his faith was something that was, was remarkable in, in that reason. Um, and Paul's direction to him is something that, that makes a lot of sense to me as a pastor. I can look at Timothy and see where Paul's coming from. Mm-hmm. That's yeah. the only time Paul was talking to a pastor. He talked to churches. Well, that's true. But this one, he's talking to the pastor. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that. So. Yeah. That's Timothy. Timothy, yes. Yeah. And I like how he does talk about his mother and grandmother, Eunice. And mm-hmm. I don't remember the other. I don't know if Eunice is his mother or his grandmother, but... Um, I'm glad that they're mentioned. Mm-hmm. His mother and grandmother. So my next one, and this will not be a surprise to Shannon, mm-hmm. but it's one of my favorite people in the Bible because I think she's it's a woman. Priscilla. And Priscilla is a married to Aquila. And I will read the very beginning when we first hear about them. Mm-hmm. And after these things, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth. And he found a certain Jew named Aquila native of Pontus, having recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome. He came to them. So Paul ends up staying with them. They are tent builders, tent makers like he is, and um, and believers. And she knows scripture. She knows scripture because, the reason why I say that is because later in the same um, chapter of uh, Acts 18, and she and her husband Aquila are mentioned one, two, three, four times. And in Romans and in Acts three times. 
Uh, Romans once, Acts three times. Okay. They also had a, eventually had a church in their house. That's what, what's mentioned in Romans. But Acts 18, uh, 18, chapter 18, 23 through 28 is what I want to read. And having spent some time there, Paul departed and passed successfully through the Galatian region and Figria, Figria, strengthening all the disciples. Now, a certain Jew named Apollos, an Alexandrian by birth, an eloquent man, came to Ephesus, and he was mighty in scriptures. That, oh, they're in Ephesus now, obviously. Mm-hmm. This man had been instructed in the way of the Lord, and being fervent in spirit, he was speaking and teaching accurately the things concerning Jesus, being acquainted only with the baptism of John. And he began to speak out boldly in the synagogue. But when Priscilla and Aquila heard him, they took him aside and explained to him the way of God more accurately. I guess that's all. That's through 26. So first, if you notice... And this goes back to Luke. Luke wrote Acts, as Shannon mentioned earlier. He mentions Priscilla before Aquila. Now, I think both of them knew scripture well because they helped get Apollos on a better track because Apollos was a believer, it says, but he wasn't, he didn't know all the truth. And later, uh, Paul talks about Apollos, so God used Apollos. But Priscilla knew her scripture. And I also like how they didn't, confronts him in front of people they took him aside did it in a very uh, humble way mm-hmm. not to ridicule him or whatever and that's the way we should do it if we need to uh, correct someone do it in private if and also and here's the little controversial thing i'm going to bring up oh i'm and i'm not i didn't come up with this idea because there are other mm-hmm. people and scholars that believe this mm-hmm. of course they have no way to prove it but there's there's a there's a group of scholars and, and believers who believe that Priscilla could have written the book of Hebrews. Reasons. One, Hebrews, if you compare it to all the other letters in the New Testament, Hebrews does not name its author. And two, the some people attribute it to Paul because at the end it gives some greetings and stuff like that, which uh, she, she was re, um, close to Paul, so mm. they would... Maybe she heard his sermon or whatever, but the language is a different um, is a different style yeah. than Paul's. He, Hebrews Hebrews is much different than Paul's other letters. And as a writer myself, you usually keep the same style no matter what you're writing, especially letter writing. Yeah, you can kind of tell the author. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So anyway, that's and I believe uh, so. I think I think it was her, and that's why she didn't put her name on it because they'd never have accepted a a letter from a woman, and unfortunately. So well, that they was would have accepted ninth. it, but when the Bible was put together, they probably not wouldn't so have. Yeah. So. Okay. Well, who's your ninth one? Okay. Well, first of all, Ephesus. Where was it located? Ephesus. Mm-hmm. Where's Ephesus located? Uh, near the Mediterranean Sea. <coughs> there. Uh, yes. Kind of. I don't remember. I'd have to look up my Bible map. It's actually on the Aegean. It's it's uh, part of Turkey. Oh, there you go. That's right. <coughs> It's a right. modern day Turkey, and it's one of the one of the churches that's actually mentioned in Revelation. Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. all right, my next character that I, excuse me, I'm coughing here a little bit. <coughs> it's because I got something stuck in my throat. But he doesn't have COVID. No, no COVID. Just something stuck in my throat. And even if he did, you wouldn't get it from listening to this. And even if I did, it would be killed off by my buckets. Um, <laughs> my next character is kind of a tragic character. Oh no. Yeah, but I, 
I like him anyway, even though he's that tragic character, because he's got something that is, I think, common to the human condition. All right. I'm waiting. I'm hearing. Eli. Eli was a high priest. He was a Levite. He was a high priest. He was a very faithful man. But he had a real problem. He was a very good man. His life was pure. He did things right. He, um, He served God. But his problem was his two boys. Adult boys, yeah. And the priesthood in the tribe of Levi was passed down from father to son. Aaron. He was the high priest and the judge. It's Levites. Aaron. The Levites. Well, yeah, but there's two different... Right. Yeah. But this was passed, this was passed from father to son. Mm-hmm. And he was the high priest. Mm-hmm. He was from the tribe of Levi. And so naturally his son's... Became priests. Became priests, too. And I think probably in spite of who they were, because I'm sure, as a father, Levi saw what his sons were. Eli. Eli, yeah. Eli saw what his, who his sons were. He knew who they were. But I'm sure the assumption from the whole community was that they were going to take off after him. And, of course, they, they were terrible, disgraceful people and did all sorts of terrible things to, uh, that did. And, and he... Didn't really even correct him that much. Just kind of asked him, "Well, why are you doing this?" But he mm-hmm. didn't. He didn't stop them. So, yeah. um, and unfortunately, what that meant, of course, is that the line Eli did not have sons to pass yeah. his his faith to, his leadership to, his role to. Um, and we know they all were they, they dead in the same day. Yeah, um, but. Eli was gifted with a little boy named Samuel. Yes. And although Eli didn't was not did not have a lot of success with his own children, he must have been instrumental in the raising of Samuel. Yes. Because Samuel started so young with him. Yes. And um, if you go in, if you if you look in the Old Testament and Samuel said, "Here's God," and says, "Thinks mm-hmm. it's Eli," and runs to Eli, and finally Eli says, "Ask if it's God." Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know. Um, in the end, he dies horribly, too. He falls yeah. over and breaks his neck. But yeah, because I guess he was really fat. Well, it was just one of those things. I think it was his, it was his time. It was the end. But it was they time do for mention his size. Yeah, but it was time for him to leave, I guess. Yeah. But it was just kind of a tragic character, and yet no one doubts his faithfulness. Right. The Bible talks about him being faithful. And I do, the other thing about how... Something went wrong with his sons. I mean, I don't know if he was maybe a permissive father or maybe it had nothing to do with him. Sometimes we raise kids perfectly right and they go off their own way. They have their own free will. But he was like almost like a grandfather to Samuel. And he did raise him right because he saw his parents once a year and uh, when his mother would bring a new robe for him and leave. And, and, and it is amazing. Eli, she she never told him, Hannah never told him that what she prayed for in the beginning, you should read this. This is first mm-hmm. Samuel chapter mm-hmm. one that she was praying for a son. He just said, go, your request is granted. Mm-hmm. And she shows up one day with this little kid and says, here you go. And he accepted him. I mean, he mm-hmm. didn't, he didn't say I'm too old for this or, yep. and, and you know, that is amazing that, I mean, and maybe it was more common back then. I don't know, but still, I mean, still, it's, it it's is a, a thing. It was a very interesting thing that he, as a basically a foster father of Samuel afterwards, yeah. 
and God's God's grace and God's blessing, he saw he someone saw who was going to come priest. behind me. Yeah, he's, he's he knows who's going to come. You know come. that is grace because he he did, did God did let him have a hand in a godly priest, mm-hmm. and even though he did not raise his that way for whatever reason. Yeah, um, and he did not correct them when they were wrong, yeah. which. That does fall on him. Yes, that does. One way or another, whatever happened with his own sons, God gave him the blessing of having Samuel. Samuel. Mm-hmm. So. Oh, yeah, that is good. Eli's special. Okay, so I didn't guess him. I was going to guess Jeremiah oh. or Ezekiel. But oh. Yeah, you surprised me. You did. Okay. You won't get my next one either, but <laughs> go. Is it a woman? Nope. He did not have one woman on his list. I didn't need to because you'd have them all, so. No, I didn't have them all because my next one is a man. Oh, no. Two of them? You had two men? I had two men on my list. I think I get two points for that. Two points. I was going to do all women, but then I got... I kind of had a woman. No, you just tacked her on. Ruth and Boaz, I did not tack them on. I just called it a, the, a the characters as a duo. As a oh, woman. right. So you I had it. a woman in my list. Right, there you, you go. You get half a point Half a point, yeah, half a point. But I take... In a way, because you really didn't have a, you know. Well, and if you know my wife, the point getting half a point or getting half a point taken away is about as good as she gives me, so. No, it is not. <laughs> go for it. But, okay. <laughs> go, okay, go. I do want to say something about the points. Okay, I got this from my friend Sue, who has gone to heaven um, she, a while, quite a while ago, 2012, I believe. But anyway, I don't know. She would say, you get points. And so my kids got into this, and I'd say, how many points do I get? 20, 30? And all my kids knew, you don't get anything for the points. But then our daughter's boyfriend says, well, what do we get for the points? So now he and my daughter now forgot that you get nothing. They think they're going to get something for all these points they get. Why, I don't know. So I'm going to have to figure something out. This has been going on for a couple of years. Okay. All right. So my last one is, again, uh, kind of an obscure guy. He's only, he's mentioned twice in Acts, but I just, I get, I admire him. Okay? His name is Ananias. And um, that wasn't your last one, was it? Nope. Okay. Ananias. Okay. Now, this is after. I like Ananias, too. Yes. Ananias love, has I love, guts. I love the. The courage of that old man. He has a pair, they would say. Yeah. <laughs> he does. Okay, he... hey, hey, let me. This Don't steal my thunder. Let me tell the story. Shh. I'm not saying a word. You were. You were going to say it. And there wasn't. there's not much to say. So if you said anything, it would be my story. I want to talk about Ananias because I picked him. Okay, oh. this is in Chapter 9 of Acts. This is after Saul. He's, he's blind now. He's been uh, confronted by Jesus on the road to Damascus and he's completely blind and he has not eaten or drink for three days and he's just sitting there blind at someone's house. So, now, this is chapter 9, verse 10 through uh, 16. Actually through 19 and I'll just, and then it, then they mention the story again later in the chapter but I don't need to say that. Okay, I think 22, 12 through 14... No, I'm just going to read this whole part. All right. Now, there was a certain disciple at Damascus named Ananias, and the Lord said to him in a vision, which is cool, Ananias. And he said, Behold, here I am, Lord, or here am I, Lord. And the Lord said to him, Arise and go to the street called Straight and inquire at the house of Judas for a man from Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. 
But Ananias answered, Lord, I've heard from many about this man, how much harm he did to thy saints at Jerusalem, and here he has authority from the chief priest to bind all who call upon thy name. But the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine, to bear my name before the Gentiles and kings and the sons of Israel, for I will show him how much he must suffer for my name's sake. And Ananias departed and entered the house, and after laying his hands on him, said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road by which you were coming, has sent me so you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And mm. immediately there fell from his eyes something like scales, and Paul or Saul at this time regained his sight, and he arose and was baptized, took food and was strengthened. Now, let me say a few things about this. First, I think <coughs> God kind of, he already told Saul that a guy named Ananias was coming, so he really gave Ananias no wiggle room, so now he has to do it because God told him it would happen. But I think that's kind of kind of funny. But also Ananias was probably super afraid because Saul is breathing threats and wants to come and take them all to jail and get them killed and everything. And I like how first he has a vision and he just doesn't freak out about the vision. He just says, here I am, Lord. And then he kind of disagrees with God a little bit. He talks to talks about it, disagrees with him. And he's like, God, I don't want to go to that man. I know all about him. But God says, go. And then he does go. And the mm-hmm. other thing I love about this, he calls Saul, Brother Saul. Mm-hmm. And then he set, tells Saul exactly what happened to him. He's the first one to recognize that Paul has been converted, called by God. Yes, he, he's the first one to recognize the calling and call him brother, which yes. is a, which is a powerful thing in and of itself. Yeah, I love the fact, like you said, that he had such a close relationship with God that he was willing to argue a little bit. Yes, say, wait a minute, this this is a scary guy. Are you sure? And God says, Yes, I'm sure. And I goes. Yeah, and, and I then just, he he says, Okay, God says you're you're his now. And I I like that. I love he he had mindful obedience. He wasn't just. I mean, we can be blindly obedient to God, and we'd be fine. But I mean, he thought about stuff. He used his brain, and he and he talked to God about things. And he was close to God. And I, I love that. And I love too. He once he understood this is what God wanted. He accepted Saul wholeheartedly. And what a what a wonderful part of the story of the of believers and the Christian church. And um, mm-hmm. and I'm so glad that Luke put that in there i mean you know what he could have that was just a little segment Mm -hmm. you know he didn't really have to put that in his story and and we wouldn't have known any difference and the story still would have been powerful the whole book of acts would have been powerful without ananias but but luke does do that he Mm -hmm. brings out people Mm -hmm. he imagines other people as he goes through yeah he he's specific and he names people yeah so, and there's a great lesson to be learned in that too. I mean, the Bible, all of it, from page one to, to the last page, is all about God. But there are so many examples of great godly people that are mentioned throughout the Bible mm-hmm. that there may be someone who really identifies with Ananias and needed to have Ananias as an example. So. Well, and I like how, and this is why most of mine, except for, let's see, I don't know, three of them. Mm-hmm were not well-known mm-hmm. people in the Bible because yep. I, I, I picked those on purpose because it, that just seems to me more like most most believers. Right. We're not going to be well-known people anywhere. Right. But 
Okay. We, okay, I guess my... Okay, go ahead. Yeah, we're running a little long on this well, one. Thank the you. last Turn one's going to be pretty quick. Turn it back on. Um, okay. I'm going back to the Old Testament, and I'm pulling someone that I knew you wouldn't guess that I would pull. Enoch. Oh. Now, okay. Enoch is a special character. Um, uh, he is in is the line one. of Abraham. He is a great, I believe, great-grandfather of Noah. Um, he's the father of Methuselah. Um, he is mentioned only because of his faith. That's true. And that is it. And the only other thing we know about Enoch was that God took him and he did not die. God snatched him up. It's mentioned in Hebrews 11 that through his faith he was taken away. But we also know when we look at it this, look at it this way, mm-hmm. Enoch lived in the time going into the flood. Mm-hmm. When the earth had gotten so evil, when things had fallen so far that God was going to flood the earth. So far that he was going to wipe everything out. Mm-hmm. And he was the faithful seed that kept it going to Noah. And he lived faithfully in the midst of all that. Yeah. It set him apart. You know that that God taking him is in Genesis too. It's in Genesis, but it's also he's also mentioned in the line of uh, the line of, of people in, in yeah. Hebrews eleven mm-hmm. when it talks about um the different patriarchs and how they went through and Enoch is actually mentioned. Mm-hmm. So he must have been important enough that he was mentioned uh, by the writer there. of Hebrews. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, even though it's a small passage about him in Genesis. Genesis. It's not mm-hmm. very long. And doesn't talk about any great feats or anything he did other than the fact that he was faithful. Oh, listen he to this. He was good and faithful. Well, can I read his Go little ahead. story? Go ahead and read his story. All right. Um, okay, his dad's name was Jared. Mm-hmm. And he, uh, and he has and, many, many kids. We see that afterwards. Yeah, okay. And Enoch lived 65 years and became the father of Methuselah. Then Enoch walked with God 300 years after he became the mm-hmm. father of Methuselah, and he had other sons and daughters. So all the days of Enoch were 365 years, and Enoch walked with God, and he was not, for God took him. Right. Mm-hmm. Just an amazing thing. Um, it, just a small little blurb like that, but obviously he was, like I said, he was important enough that he was mentioned. Uh, in Hebrews 11, I've got it here, I'll pull it up. Um, in Hebrews 11, as he's going, uh, the, the writer of Hebrews is going, I said he, it could have been anybody. Right. Going through, by faith Noah, by faith Abraham, all those things. But before that, it says, by faith Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because because God had taken him away. Yeah. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. Without amazing. faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that rewards those who earnestly seek him. Wow. He must. That's it. That's all that's mentioned about him in, right. in, in, in uh, he, Hebrews. Mm-hmm. It's only, he only gets two verses there. Mm-hmm. But those two verses are pretty powerful because it's, he is held up as the example of faith because of his faith. Mm-hmm. And only with faith can we be, can we be saved. Um, I read one writer talked about Enoch as being an example of um, for those in Revelation. Hmm. Because it had gotten so bad before Enoch was taken away mm-hmm. sure. that God destroyed it. Mm-hmm. And we know in the book of Revelation that it's going to get that bad mm-hmm. and worse. Mm-hmm. And yet, this faithful 
this faithful believer, this faithful, this man who lived faithfully for God, was plucked from that and taken from that. Isn't that amazing? It is an amazing thing. And, and you wonder, well, I wonder, why, why Enoch? Why him? There yeah. must have been something special about him that we My, don't know enough yeah, about. Yeah, yeah, and it'll be night. It'll be. Well, that's just all the things we'll learn when we get to heaven. It's just one of those things that, you know, he's he's mentioned in very, very few verses. Mm-hmm. And he's not given any great deeds or any great no. things or anything. Uh, yeah, he's in the line, but there's a lot of people in the line that mm-hmm. are, are mentioned anything more than just their name. And yet God intentionally mm-hmm. protected him from death. And that interesting... Interesting character, and that yeah. those are the kind of characters I kind of like too. I like mm-hmm. I, that's why I picked Eli too. It's just um, I didn't even think about Eli. The humanist, the yeah. humanity of of these people as we look in the Bible, and their quiet strength because that's what Enoch would have been, mm-hmm. and their their there's humanity and God's blessing on their life like Eli, even when they screwed up, you know. Uh, Luke coming in from outside, coming to the inside, and writing mm-hmm. two two great great books of the Bible. You know, I just yeah, I highly recommend that each of you find these for yourself and find others for yourself. Go in there and look, look at look at the life of Sarah and what she put up with. Mm-hmm. Look at the life of, of some of these people. Um, think of Samuel's father, not mentioned very much, but no. his wife gave the boy away. Yeah, but then they had like four or five more, and they got to see him. I know, but yeah, she gave away my boy. Yeah, can you imagine? Well, can you imagine what Robert would say if Cheyenne said, "I'm going to drop him off at the church. We'll go visit him once a year." Oh, that'd be horrible. <laughs> I will say <laughs> it'd though, be hard on a marriage. I he think. had a bunch of kids with the other wife. Right, but still, Samuel yeah, still. was a special one. Yes, he yes. was a special one. You just don't, yeah. So. All of these people in the Bible are, are, are put there to give us examples of how people lived for the Lord or didn't live for the Lord. All these things are there. And I think, um, I think one of the things we'll probably do in the future here, mm-hmm. so I think I want to come up with a ten top, uh, top ten list of biblical villains. Oh. People that, that uh, people that, maybe not villains, but people that did it wrong. Because we God gives us examples of how not to do it too. Mm-hmm. All right. Okay. We've gone quite a bit longer than usual on this one, but we wanted to wrap it up. So I hope this is something you enjoy. I hope something it's something something you uh, are interested in. And and uh, if you have ideas for us or comments, please let us know. We'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Thanks for listening. God bless. Bye.